Today's episode is brought to you by Pure VPN. Whether you're streaming, browsing, or just looking for a little more online security, Pure VPN has you covered. Rated 4.8 stars by TruePilot and seen on Wired, Yahoo Tech, The Huffington Post, and Lifehacker, Pure VPN offers blazing fast VPN services at an affordable price. Pure VPN also has features like internet kill switch, split tunneling, and the capacity to allow 10 devices per account as well as 24-7 customer support. Right now, they're even offering a 7-day full-access trial for just $0.99 cents and an additional 40% off their monthly subscription service. Use the link in the show notes to secure this deal and your online activity today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Pulling a Jobcast, the Heist Podcast, the show where in each episode I take a dive into complex, grandiose, and even insane robberies that actually happened. We all love movies like Ocean's Eleven, Inside Man, The Italian Job, and dozens if not hundreds more. But many of these movies might not be far off from things that real people thought up and executed. So with that, let's dive right in. In this first episode, I'll take you through what has come to be known as the Great Canadian Maple Syrup Heist. Over the course of several months between 2011 and 2012, a group of men decided to steal close to 10,000 barrels of maple syrup from a storage facility in Quebec, and they almost got away with it. Right about now, you might be laughing or thinking to yourself, maple syrup? Why would someone go through the trouble of stealing maple syrup? And where do you even find 10,000 barrels of maple syrup? Well, in order for that to make sense, we need to rewind to 1966. In 1966, the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers was formed, more commonly known as FPAC, and if you hear the French version, the arrangement of the letters makes more sense. Based on a mission statement from their own website, this government-sanctioned private organization was created to promote the interests of local maple syrup producers and develop and exploit the full production and sales potential of Quebec maple syrup products in accordance with sustainable development rules. So what does that mean? In essence, it means they control the production, marketing, and sale of all maple syrup that comes out of Quebec. And we all know that when you control the supply of a commodity, you set its price. FPAC has since grown to consist of about 13,500 producers of maple syrup, and due to their scale and being in control of such a large percentage of the commodity, they've even been compared to a cartel. So why is this a big deal? Because that happens to be 72% of the world's supply of real maple syrup. We're not talking about Mrs. Butterworth's bottle of brown liquid sugar. This is real maple syrup, and that can only be produced in a small part of the world which happens to be the northeastern portion of North America. So with that in mind, let's bring it back to the why. Let's compare for a moment a barrel of oil and a barrel of maple syrup. At the time of the discovery of this heist, in the summer or fall of 2012, crude oil was worth just under $78 a barrel. So how much was a barrel of maple syrup worth at that same time? Roughly $1,800. Now you're beginning to see the appeal in stealing 10,000 barrels, or just over $18 million worth of maple syrup. While on the subject of FPAC, let's move to the where. Because FPAC controls the vast majority of maple syrup supply and sales, 
they need a way to insulate themselves from risk, a way to maintain supply through down years. This is a form of farming after all, so harvest and supply are not guaranteed. They do this by having massive storage facilities where they keep barrels of syrup until they decide to sell them. If you go online and search maple syrup warehouse and look at the images, you'll get a feel for the setting and a perfect setting it was. Part of the beauty of this robbery was the fact that they were able to go on so long unnoticed. You see, fortunately for our thieves, FPAC only requires an inventory check once a year. But when it was eventually checked, the entire job came tumbling down, literally. I mentioned earlier that this heist was discovered in the summer or fall of 2012. Unfortunately, during my research of the incident, I couldn't find a firm date or even month. Some articles said summer, some said fall, some said July, some said August or September. But regardless of when exactly it happened, the way it happened can best be described as comical and only something you can imagine really in the movies. You see, Inspector Michel Graveau, and I'm sorry about that pronunciation, so for now we're just gonna stick to Michel. Inspector Michel was at the reserve warehouse to take the annual inventory. Now I'm not entirely certain what that process looks like or what else they're looking for besides quantity matches from the paperwork to the warehouse actuals. But whatever it was, it required Michelle to climb up a stack of barrels. Now normally that's not a problem. Syrup is thick and heavy, so a barrel full of the stuff would be about as solid a surface to stand on as anything. And some of my research indicated that a barrel could have weighed up to 600 pounds. So when Michelle neared the top of the stack and put his weight against one of the barrels, it began to tilt and he nearly fell. At that moment, the now adrenaline-filled inspector knew there was a huge problem. They immediately began opening and checking more barrels, finding more empties, as well as some that had been drained and refilled with water. So let's rewind and look at the how for a minute. How does one go about stealing 10,000 barrels at 600 pounds a pop? What do you do with it once you have it? How do you distribute that kind of haul and turn it into money? That is the point, isn't it? No one needs that much maple syrup, but we all, at least most of us, want that kind of money. Well, it's made evident by our story so far, the barrels themselves were not actually stolen. Our man Michelle just found an empty one after all. No, our thieves only stole the syrup. While I describe the how, I'll also get to introduce you to the who. Let's start with Avic Karen. Karen, credited with being the mastermind of the operation, was the husband of one of the owners of the warehouse where the syrup was stored. Let that sink in for a moment. These warehouses are secure. I mean, you can't just throw a highly regulated commodity into a tough shed and check on it once a year. No, even the most basic warehousing operations have security measures in place. Commercial locks, guards, gates, cameras, ID badges, and who knows what else. Now all that might be intimidating for an outsider to try to navigate, but Avic Karen was our inside man. None of that security matters if your wife owns the place. He was just given a vault of gold to which he already had the key. And if the reports are accurate, the wheels started turning as soon as FPAC came knocking for a place to store their goods. That leads us to the Valieres, Richard and Raymond. Richard was our fence, as well as one of the men listed as being a ringleader. Richard and Avic were introduced shortly after FPAC began using the facility because Avic began asking questions regarding regulations and the black market. 
Yes, there is a syrup black market, and it even reaches here to the States. By trade, he was what's called a barrel roller, someone who buys and sells syrup into such markets, a broker or a trader. This position gave him perfect inside knowledge that allowed him to move the goods outside of FPAC guidelines while remaining unnoticed. But wait, you can't just pull barrels out and start selling them. That's too straightforward, it's not sustainable, and we've already established that no barrels were harmed in the stealing of this syrup. So how do we go from access to cash? Well, syrup must run in the family because Richard's father Raymond owned a sugar shack near a lake, and this is gonna be important later. A sugar shack is where sap from sugar maples is boiled down to create syrup. And it turns out that Valera Sr. had an operation with all the necessary equipment to siphon the syrup from Federation barrels into something a little less conspicuous. From there, no one can tell where it came from. You can't trace syrup back to a specific tree. But who's gonna buy it? The entire reason anybody would go through this much trouble is turning stolen goods into money. There was one missing piece. You see, Richard can buy and sell, but his trade is buying and selling in bulk. He's not gonna stand at a farmer's market with barrels of this stuff. No, he needs a reseller. Someone who buys in bulk and divvies it up for everyday consumers to drizzle on their pancakes. Enter Etienne Saint-Pierre. Etienne was a New Brunswick-based reseller that ended up buying unknown amounts of syrup from Richard over the course of the affair, and only 20% of the stolen syrup was ever recovered. So let's review. We have our inside man with access to the goods, Avic, a place to make the transfer, Raymond, a trader that can sell the goods while skirting FPAC regulations, Richard, and a dealer that pumps the stolen haul to the masses, Etienne. And that's how the trick was done, ladies and gentlemen. Although I would like to give credit to Sebastian Hutras, the driver that served eight months for his part in the heist. So I'm sure you're wondering what happened to the others. They were caught after all. I already noted that the driver Sebastian served eight months for his part. So how did the others fare? According to Wikipedia and various articles, Richard was sentenced to eight years along with $9.4 million fine to be paid over 10 years and his sentence could be extended to 14 years if the fine was not paid. Interestingly, during his testimony, he stated that his actions and illegal activity were under duress, and that an unnamed party threatened him and his family. However, the jury didn't think that held any water. His father, Raymond, was convicted of possession and sentenced to two years in jail, minus one day to be spent, quote, in the community. I can only assume that that means community service, and that's along with three years of probation and a $9,840 fine to be paid in one year. Etienne was sentenced to the same two years, minus one day for community service, but his fine was a little more severe. He is required to pay $1.3 million over 15 years, or have his sentence increased to five years. Lastly, Avic Karen was sentenced to five years and a $1.8 million fine for his part in the heist. All told, 17 people were convicted in crimes related to the theft, and 225 officers were involved in the investigation. But before we end, there's something I want to circle back on. Something about this heist that in hindsight would have made all the difference. I mentioned that only some of the barrels were found to have been filled with water. Did you catch that? I also mentioned that Raymond's sugar shack was by a lake. Think back to the beginning. FPAC only checks their inventory once a year, and the heist was discovered in the summer of 2012. A 
assuming they started right after the previous inspection in the summer of 2011, the operation would have looked something like this. Avik gains access to the warehouse, loads the barrels into Sebastian's truck. He takes them to Raymond's sugar shack, where they are siphoned, filled with lake water, and put back into the warehouse so no one is the wiser. From there, Richard and Etienne make their deal, and it's on to the next lot. Had this continued, the water in the barrels would have very likely been sturdy enough for Inspector Michel to climb on and have no idea that it was counterfeit. So why was the barrel empty? Because one of the side effects of being that far north is harsh winters. It appears the operation ran smoothly until the lake they were using to refill the barrels froze over. The water supply dried up in a way, and instead of using a hose or some other source, they just left them empty. Who would have thought that weather would be the undoing of a multi-million dollar operation? Thank you for listening, and I would like to give credit to Wikipedia, The National Post, CBC Radio Canada, Global News, Vanity Fair, and FPAC.